The following presentation was recorded at the Buddhist Society of Victoria, Malvern East, Australia. Please visit our website at bsv.net.au. Okay, everyone, so let us uh, do the um, last Q&A session for this retreat. Come to the... So see what happens. Debante, what do you mean by Devata Nusati? How would you practice? Uh, thank you. So Deva, Devata Nusati is uh, a uh, method of meditation, if you like. Uh, anusati means like to recall, yeah, to recollect, uh, uh, to bring to mind. And Devatas is basically the heavenly beings or divine beings or whatever you want to call them. Uh, and the idea, the way this is described in the suttas, is that uh, you reflect at the same things that those beings did to become devas, yeah, whatever it was that they did to become devas, uh, you are doing the same thing now. So you're heading in that same direction. Yeah. So I don't know if that this works for you, but if you have an idea of uh, divine beings as being very bright and luminous and happy and uh, having all these wonderful qualities, uh, then uh, that is where you're heading, because if, you, especially if you're practicing the same thing, if you're not, then of course you're not. But uh, assuming that you are, uh, uh, many of you will be, uh, then uh, that is where you're going. And it's a kind of a you're heading towards lightness, head away from darkness, uh, towards something bright and uh, marvelous. That's kind of the idea behind this. Uh, so and just you know sometimes you can use this in many ways you don't have to follow exactly what it says in the suttas you can kind of make up things a little bit in a way that is meaningful to you and uh, you know one of the just the great recollections is to think just the idea that there are lots of beings in this world uh, who have a lot high degree of morality and who have lived well and have done good things uh, it kind of makes the world into a better place and a more kind of wholesome place in a sense uh, so even when you do metta meditation, you can be happy that there are these beings out there, you know, with all these good qualities, uh, and uh, you're sharing the world with them. Uh, and uh, you can have a sense of gratitude even. Uh, thank you for being part of this world. Uh, you know, really, it's up to your imagination how you how you want to go about these things. Uh, but the idea is to uh, bring about a brighter state, yeah? bring about a bit of joy if you can and tranquility. Uh, this is kind of the purpose. So... If it brings about those good qualities, uh, then you know you're doing it in the right way, because that is the purpose of this. Uh. It's found in the suttas, one of the six recollection called the Devata Nusati, or Deva Nusati. Devante, what is the difference between Arya Jhana and Anarya Jhana? So uh, jhanas are the deep stages of meditation. Yeah, they uh, talk about in one of the suttas we looked at. They talk about the noble right uh, concentration, arya samasamadhi, uh, and the difference just seems to be very simply whether it is uh, connected with the right view or not. Uh, certainly, the arya samasamadhi is the right view of the stream enter. So if you are a noble person, stream enter. Uh, non-returner or, or once-returner or whatever, yeah, the Sotapanna, the um, uh, Sakadagami and the Anagami, then of course, then that is definitely uh, right concentration, noble right concentration. But even for an ordinary person who is practicing well and who has right view 
they are heading in the right direction, you would probably call that right concentration. Uh, noble right concentration, maybe, but certainly right concentration, not mitcha samadhi. Uh, uh, why? Because it is the samma samadhi supported by the other factors of the path, as we saw in the uh, the sutta, the great 40, Majjhimanikai 117. Uh, noble right samadhi. Uh. Okay. Dear Ajahn Mahali, thank you for your marvelous teaching. Can you please explain what exactly are the four kinds of mindfulness meditation? I am unsure. Good point. I didn't really, didn't really talk about them in great detail. And uh, it is a very large topic uh, because uh, this is basically the Buddhist path of stilling the mind. And uh, that is a very broad. It's about overcoming the defilements, how to bring the mind from uh, sati from mindfulness to samadhi through st to stillness. That's what basically the path of meditation is about. Starting with sati, it leads you to samadhi. And that is a very, very broad topic. In one of the suttas, the Buddha said that uh, he could talk about that you know, all the time for a hundred years. Uh, and still, at the end of the hundred years, it still wouldn't be exhausted of what he had to say about uh, uh, satipatthana, the four mindfulness meditations. Uh, but basically, there are uh, the Satipatthanas are classified into four categories. Uh, and these are called the Kaya uh, Nupassana or Kaya Nupassi. Uh, kaya means the, uh, the body, usually in this context, uh, focusing on the physical body. And it means contemplation of the body. That's basically what it comes down to. Uh, this can be done in different ways. Uh, then you have the Vedana Nupassana, which is contemplation of feelings. Uh, Feelings here meaning whether your experience is positive, negative, or neutral. Uh, not feelings as an emotion, but feelings as in uh, the tone of the experience. Uh, then there is uh, the uh, citta nupassana. Citta means mind, contemplation of mind. And this refers largely to the mental states you have, yeah, whether they have... Uh, whether they are pure or impure, what kind of defilements you have in your mind, whether your mind is really lofty and, and, and these kind of things. And it's a knowledge of those states. And then, of course, the movement from away from the bad states to the good ones. And the very last one is the Dhamma Nupassana. And Dhamma here means, um, Adan Sudato translates as contemplation of principles, which is quite nice because... Uh, what we are doing is the very last elimination of uh, um, the um, uh, la last refined defilements of the mind and then moving on towards the what we're doing now, which is the seven bojangas, the awakening factors. So it's basically a contemplation of the five hindrances and the seven factors of awakening. That's really what it comes down to. And uh, it's called... Um, contemplation of principles because it is all about understanding causality huh? yeah so much in buddhism is about understanding causality not really dependent origination yet because depend dependent origination is still too deep at this point uh, but understanding causality in a more general sense uh, what is it that gives rise to ill will uh, yeah i'm talking about very subtle forms of ill will now really kind of last remnant uh, what is it that gives rise to that uh, and you will see that you, if you look at things in a certain way, it will give rise to negativity. Yes, in particular, if you see the fault in something, if you see something that you actually resist, that you don't really want to see, uh, that gives rise to ill will eventually. Uh, what is that gives rise to uh, sensory desire? It is seeing the beauty in the sensory objects of the world. Uh, 
If you focus on how delightful they are, your mind will go there, will delight in it, you will be attracted to it, and then you will have the craving as a consequence. But if you remember the downside, you avoid that. This is seeing causality in this way. And then also understanding the causality of all the good qualities of mind. What is it that brings about joy in the meditation? What is it that brings about tranquility? Yeah, All the seven factors of awakening, you understand how this comes about. And this is one of the reasons at the end of every meditation, I ask you to stop. Okay, did it work? Yeah. And if you feel that you are more mindful, uh, if you feel that something positive happened, ask yourself why. It's a very useful exercise. What happened in this meditation? And you will see that you used your mind in a different way. Maybe you just relaxed more. Yeah, could be something very simple like that. Oh, I just relaxed and it worked. Wow. Yeah, very, very, usually very simple things. Uh, It may sound like I'm explaining this in a very analytical way. You have to kind of figure everything out. But these are very simple things usually. They're not something that you have to analyze to great depth. You don't have to have a spreadsheet and kind of, you know, put the kind of those factors there and those factors and fill in all the blanks. Uh, I I remember someone who who talked to me about that, how they kind of were having this kind of very super analytical approach to meditation and and, and how they kind of worked it all out. Uh, and I wouldn't go that far. I think that's going too far. Uh, uh, keep it simple. Uh, and then you see the causes that give rise to these things. Very simple causes usually. Uh, yeah. When does metta arise? Well, metta arises when you focus on beings in a certain way. Uh, you see their good qualities. Uh, yeah. You think, wow, all these wonderful members of the BSV, uh, all coming here, listening to Dhamma talks, practicing the five precepts, trying to do something good in the world. Uh, what a wonderful thing that is. Uh, and simple things like that, uh, it gives rise to beautiful emotions. And sometimes you get it right, sometimes you don't. And then you notice what works in your practice. Uh, this is what that is about. Uh. So these are the four areas, if you like, that you focus on. The, the first one, the Kaya Nupassana, contemplation of the body, can be, uh, can be very simple things. Usually uh, at this point, uh, Two main practices. One is called the uh, four elements practice. Uh, four elements means that you s- regard your body as four elements: uh, uh, earth, water, uh, fire, and air. Yeah, the kind of the classical elements of ancient of the ancient world that you find around in many different places in the ancient world. Uh, the Greeks had that. The Indians had that. Uh, Chinese. I don't know what the Chinese culture. They may, may have had that as well. I'm not sure. Uh, but uh, it kind of seems to be something that we found across the various uh, ancient cultures around the world, uh, four elements. And the idea behind that is to understand that the body belongs to nature. It is not really yours. It's not something you control. So you can let go of it. Uh, yeah? It is not, this is me. It's more like, no, this is just elements, uh, just like the elements outside. There's no difference. Uh, and once you get that, you detach a bit from the body, and that allows you to go deeper in your meditation. Now, the first, the reason Kaya Nupasthana body contemplation is first, uh, is because it is often the coarsest of the defilements that block you from going deeper. Uh, so understanding the body a little bit is very useful in the meditation. Another famous one of the, these contemplations is the 31 parts of the body. Uh, not the 32 parts, but the 31 parts. Yeah, Remember, this is an important difference. Uh, yeah, Not 31, not 32, but 31 parts of the body. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Yeah, That's irrelevant. But it's an interesting thing anyway, because some people say 31 and some people say 32. And why people say that? Well, this is fascinating. One is a commentarial 
a number. The other one is a number of the suttas. And usually people mention the commentarial number, which is 32, uh, which is interesting. It shows you some of the influence of the commentaries uh, on how we think about Buddhism. Uh, if nothing else, it shows that, which in itself is telling here. Uh, anyway, so 31 parts of the body is just to remember that the body, yeah, you take the skin off the body, it's not the same without the skin, right? Uh, <laughs> let's face it so it is just a way again of developing a certain distance to the body okay it's maybe it's not as interesting as we think it is that is kind of the point of that would i recommend that meditation some people enjoy it but you know it's not i think maybe the four elements is more neutral it's a bit more okay just see it as the four elements but the idea with both of these methods is again a certain perspective on the body this is the first part. Then, after that, comes the uh, Vedana Vipassana, the contemplation of feelings, once you have a distance to the body. Uh, and the idea here is to uh, gain an understanding of the difference between different kinds of feelings. Uh, specifically, to understand the distinction between worldly feelings and spiritual feelings. Uh, yeah, it's a very important difference, because if you don't really understand that distinction, uh, it's very hard to move from one to the other. Uh, so you understand what are worldly sense feelings that come from the sensory realm that are, you know, you delight in the sensory world. Uh, and then the spiritual feelings are the joy that come from spiritual qualities, uh, contemplation of spiritual things, uh, yeah. Con feeling joyous because you live well, for example, uh, or even just joy connected with the Dhamma, these sort of things. Uh. So that is an important one. And then, of course, the distinction between Painful feelings and happy feelings, uh, yeah, simple things like that. And the idea is this allows you to move from the worldly to the spiritual, the more you understand that difference. Uh, then you have the uh, Chitta Nupasthana, which is the next stage, if you like, a contemplation of mind. Uh, it's a similar kind of thing, it's an understanding the difference between um, coarse feelings, of coarse mental states, yeah, uh, greed, uh, desires ill will, uh, delusions, and then the opposite, the, the lack of those things and the qualities of when the mind becomes really powerful and, and uh, kind of immeasurable. Uh, yeah? understand, again, understanding a distinction between the negative states and the positive states that are supportive and then helping you then in abandoning that. Uh, and then the last one, as I mentioned, is about understanding causality. It comes to the very last refined aspects of the mind, uh, including then the uh, 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 bojangas, the factors of awakening themselves, understanding them, yeah, and practicing them, uh, and they, of course, lead you to samadhi. Yeah, that's where they go, uh, and that's why, in one sense, the four mindfulness meditations they actually include samadhi in a certain way. In a, one way, they lead to samadhi. In a broader sense, they also include samadhi. Uh, so it's kind of a bit of overlap there in both ways. Uh. So the idea here is to take you from mindfulness. The mindfulness meditations, they start out with mindfulness being established. Uh, you don't get mindfulness through these meditations. You start with mindfulness. Uh, you use that mindfulness in this way. It takes you to samadhi. Uh, that's the purpose of this. Uh, so, uh, that this is how the Noble Eightfold Path works. Yeah? Samasati comes before samasamadhi. One thing leading to the next one. Uh. So that is a short review of the four mindfulness meditations. Uh, a long uh, one is you can probably do a whole retreat just talking about those. Uh, yeah, it's, it's possible uh, if you want to go into great detail. Uh, but uh, even a fairly, you know, uh, fairly kind of 
short discussion would take an hour or two. So this is just a super duper brief, the one you heard just now. Uh, you can. So uh, anyway, so this, these are very, very interesting and very important. But uh, uh, some other time we will talk about them in more detail. Dear Ajahn, how does one develop faith in karma? People we meet in this life are all due to past karma. Thank you, question. No, you don't meet people due to past karma, really. Uh, karma is the connection between your intentions and how you feel. Uh, yeah, so if you have uh, in certain intentions in the past, then you fe your feelings will be bad in this life. But the people you meet are not, you know, they are not necessarily have any connection with how you feel. Sometimes they might do, but that's not really the point of other people. The reason you meet people in this life is usually because of habits in the past. Uh, yeah, you are attracted to certain people, and because you are attracted to certain people, you hang out with them because of that. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not just talking about romantic attraction, but any kind of attraction, like friendship or whatever it is, or fellow Buddhists or, 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 or whatever. Uh, so we work on habits, and this is why very often when you read the Jataka tales, uh, you see you meet the same people, one life after the other one. Uh, and sometimes you don't like somebody, yeah, but you still have this kind of underlying attachment to them for some strange reason. Uh, so you have maybe a difficult relationship, but somehow there's also an attachment there uh, in a weird way. But this is not really what kamma means. Uh, kamma is more to do with uh, you intend things. How do you feel because of your intentions? Uh, so how do you understand that? Well, how you understand that is very simple. Uh, so you intend something, you do a bad action towards somebody, intentional bad action. You think, yeah, this insect deserves to die. Bang, you smash the insect. And you think, wait a minute, what did I just do? Then you feel bad. Yeah, this little being wants to live. They don't want to die. Yeah, And uh, so you, afterwards you think, really, oh, that was terrible. Why did I do that? And straight away you feel bad about that. That is the kamma. That is the immediate kamma coming from that action. Uh, how you feel based on your intentions. Uh, in the same way, if you intentionally are kind to someone, uh, yeah, if every moment you try your very best to be kind and say the right thing and do the right thing, that intention lifts you up. You feel light and bright as a consequence. Uh, the Buddha talks about kamma, remember, in three ways. Uh, very often we think about kamma as what we do in this life affecting you in your next life. That's only one type of kamma. And it's important to get that. So that is what the first type of kamma that Buddha talks about is what you do in this life affecting you in this life. Yeah? So what your intentions you do now relating to the feelings you have now. Then is the kamma you do now which then has results in the next life. Then you have the kamma that you do now has results in lives beyond that. Uh, three types of kamma. And the most in interesting one is the kamma that you do now that has effects now. Yeah, You act now and then it has effects straight away. That's the most important one because you can feel it, uh, you can experience it, uh, and it can become a beautiful motivation for practicing well because you can see how it actually works. Uh, and I think it's very obvious. If you do bad, you feel bad about yourself. Yeah, Any self-respecting Buddhist uh, will tries to live a moral life. We all have a bit of a sense of shame and guilt if we do something bad. So you feel bad about yourself, and that's good. Uh, yeah, it's not bad to feel a bit, little bit of these negative feelings when you do bad stuff. In fact, it just reminds you of how karma works. Uh, so notice that. Uh, notice the connection between your intentions uh, and how you feel about yourself. And as you do that, that becomes a motivating force uh, in your practice of the Dhamma. 
That is really what kamma is about. Uh, the circumstances such as whether you are married to such a person, you have such and such a family, these are your friends, or, and you hang out in the Buddhist society. Yeah, This is often to do with habit uh, rather than to do with kamma. Kamma is just about how you feel, not about who you are with. Okay. Dear Ajahn Brahmali, thank you very much for uh, being with us during the morning meditation. This helped me very much. Okay, marvelous. <laughs> I tend to fall asleep during meditation. How can I overcome sleepiness? Uh, uh, with gratitude and metta. Um, how you can overcome sleepiness? Uh, it depends what kind of sleepiness it is. There is a sleepiness which is due to tiredness of the mind. Yeah, uh, and that kind of sleepiness, you just wait till the tiredness goes. You just, you know, you just hang in there, and then eventually it goes, and then it's gone. Uh, that is one kind of sleepiness. But there's also the sleepiness that comes from not having developed the mind enough. The sleepiness that comes from um, you know, not having that energy which comes from the development of good qualities. Yeah, that is a kind of a deeper one. The mind just isn't bright. The mind isn't really all that interested in being here because it lacks that inner joy or whatever. And to make change that, you have to just do more kind actions, uh, say more kind things, think more kind thoughts to everyone. Uh, yeah, That is really what you have to do. Uh, don't force yourself to do that, but learn to look at people in, in a new way so that you actually want to be kind to them. Yeah, Don't think that being kind is something that you have to force out of yourself and make yourself be kind. Uh, that doesn't really work. Yeah? What you have to do is start to look at the world, look at people in a new way. Understand that they're all suffering, they're all trapped in a certain way in this world. This is problematic for every one of us. Then once you get that, you will become kind automatically. That is the ideal. Yeah? Yes, you have to, sometimes you have to force yourself a little bit, guide yourself a little bit, uh, but try to make it natural. Otherwise, it's going to become another oppressive force for you. I have to be kind, but I can't. No, I must be kind. Yeah? <laughs> That becomes very can become very painful in its own right. Uh, so uh, this is why I say right view matters so much because right view gives you that view of other people that enables you to be kind. It's hard to be kind if you don't want to be kind, but if you want to be kind, it's easy. Yeah, that is kind of the trick here. You have to want it. Uh, has to come as naturally as possible. Uh, so that is the critical thing for gaining energy. Energy will abolish the tiredness like bang and you will have no tiredness you will feel bright inside you will feel happy you feel yay i'm a good person i'm living well doing all the right things uh, hooray and you will have the energy there you won't feel tired but this is a big problem for many people uh, and uh, the answer is really right there in front of your nose yeah it's just this noble eightfold path uh, get those early factors right especially right view uh, yeah, understanding people in the right way. Yeah. This is so important uh, because then things tend to happen automatically here. Yeah. Okay. Um, one other thing to remember, uh, which I always like to say, is that a lot of the uh, tiredness in meditation and also the restlessness does not is not kind of these are not independent qualities. Uh, they often come from the first two hindrances, yeah, ill will and uh, uh, sensory desires. Uh. 
So by having less ill will, having more metta again, same thing as I was just saying now, reducing the ill will, uh, which makes the mind tired, uh, that is already very, very positive. So have more metta in your life, uh, more kindness, uh, more compassion, etc. The other one is to reduce the desire for the sensory things because the mind becomes uh, dulled by all that desire, all that running around, all that restlessness, uh, yeah, enjoying those things. The attachments make makes the mind dull. So a little bit more detachment from that world, uh, understanding the danger in that world, withdrawing a little bit, uh, not completely, yeah, just d- go gradually, go very gently with yourself, uh, understanding the downside. Uh, and as you do that, uh, as you let go of that, uh, the mind also becomes less dull. Uh, the first hindrance is really the big one. Uh, the first hindrance of sensory desire, karma chanda or abhijja, that is really the one that is uh, really problematic. Uh, and uh, ill will comes from that. Yeah, As I mentioned before, one of the problems of that um, sensory world is that we're always competing about it. When we don't get our sensory objects and we often get I- upset, we blame other people for standing in our way. So ill will is a very large part, comes from that sensory world. Uh, same is true for restlessness, yeah? By its definition, you crave and you are restless for those things. Uh, tiredness, uh, even doubt comes from that because you are deluded and clouded by the sensory world. Uh, so uh, the first of those five hindrances is by far the most important one. Uh, and often you cannot actually overcome the other ones without dealing a little bit with the first one. Or at least the second one. Deal with the second one first of all, because that is easy to overcome. Uh, then the first one, and then the rest will tend to largely, not completely, but largely resolve itself. Uh. Okay, okay, okay. Dear Ajahn, thank you for your lovely teachings. Yay! <laughs> when the space between in and out breath becomes longer, is the looking for the next in and out breath craving of the breath? <laughs> and the hindrance to deeper meditation. Many thanks. Yeah, don't don't look for the breath. Wait for the breath to come to you. It's a much better way of thinking about it because looking for the breath sounds too much like doing. It sounds like you are going out there, attending to things, trying to be things. Be. But your job is just to be aware. If the breath comes, great. It means I will live a little bit longer. Yeah. If the breath doesn't come, then you, you might have a problem. <laughs> so, But the breath always comes because the body knows how to breathe. You don't have to make the body breathe. Yeah. The body knows these things by itself. So... Um, yeah, don't don't wait for the breath. Just wait in the present moment. Uh, whatever happens next is fine. Uh, yeah, and then you are aware what is what is going on. Uh. So don't have any expectations of any kind uh, when you meditate. Uh. Enjoy the present moment. Uh. Enjoy what is there. Enjoy just hanging out in good company. Uh. Enjoy the peace of being in this hall. Uh. Enjoy the marvelous Buddhist sight of Victoria. <laughs> Yeah, enjoy the wonderful teachings of the supreme spiritual teachers in human history, the Buddha himself. Uh, just all of these things, yeah, are beautiful. And they just hang in there, you stay with all of that. Uh, you make the present moment uh, the pleasant moment, as Ajahn Brahm would say. Yeah. Okay. Okay, we're coming to the uh, end. So... Um, Dear Ajahn, thank you for sharing your knowledge and wisdom. Your retreat every year helps realign my view and motivates me to stay on the path. Uh, Excellent. Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu. 
It is also nice to see Ajahn Nisarano and Ayasela attending this retreat. Thank you, everyone. May everyone's practice go well. Wow, what a wonderful sentiment. Yeah, sadhu, sadhu, sadhu. That's great. And uh, may I just uh, agree, fully agree with what you say. It is really nice. It's very nice to have uh, Ajahn Nisarano here and uh, Venerable Sela. And uh, it's nice to see we have the f- almost like the fourfold assembly here. Yeah, we have the... Uh, well, it's not quite a beginner yet, but getting close, very, very close, happening very soon. Uh, yeah, if you're still alive, of course, that is, we never know, but <laughs> assuming that you're still there, we have, have another bikini here in, the, in Victoria. Yes, it's, kind of, it's nice that we have the fourfold assembly. It's really powerful. Uh, we have that in Perth, you have it here in uh, Melbourne, uh, and that is uh, such, a, such a powerful thing. It's almost like going back to the time of the Buddha having everyone on board, everyone supporting each other. Yeah? What a marvelous thing that is. Uh, so great. So thank you for that beautiful note. Uh, it's always a wonderful thing to be able to say these things. Uh, okay, last one for today. Bante, if the ultimate reality is beyond self, who experienced this uh, and how is it experienced? Uh, and the Buddha would say, wrong question. Uh, yeah, it's not, not the right <laughs> question. In fact, it is actually one of the things that is specifically said in the suttas. Uh, yeah, the, this fellow comes to the Buddha and says, "Oh, yeah, but you know, if you have, th- if this happens, who who is the one who experienced it?" And the Buddha specifically says, "Wrong questions." So I'm not making it up. I'm actually quoting the suttas pretty much directly here. So um, uh, there, the the point is that there can be experience without anyone experiencing it. Uh, in fact, that is what's happening now. Right now, yeah, everyone, you, all of you, me included, every one of us, we have experience. But is there anyone actually experiencing it? Well, that depends on whether there is a self or not, whether there is a permanent entity inside. If that permanent entity is not there, then it proves to you straight away that you can have experience without the self. That's what's happening now. Yeah, right now it is happening. Yeah. There is no difference between now and being awakened. The only difference is that the illusion is broken. It's just an illusion. But you are already at this point, already experiencing without a self, if there is no self there. Yeah, if that is an illusion, you already that that reality is already happening. What does it feel like? Well, it feels like this, and then you add a little bit of delusion on top. That's all. So uh, that is what's going on. How is it experienced? Well, how how is non-self experienced? It's not that uh, you already are experiencing without a self, uh, but of course you don't have that illusion anymore that there is a self experiencing it. Uh, that is the difference. Uh, how does that happen? Uh, um, <laughs> you have to get there. Yeah, it's, you cannot. I, I don't think it's possible to. It, it is. It is impossible to fully understand that. Uh, but it means that that feeling you have inside of you right now, that you exist. Uh, yeah, if you look at yourself and you try to understand uh, what that feels like, this is me. Yeah, remember that whatever it is that you feel like now, that is completely impermanent. Uh, it can change. Uh, you can feel like something completely different. Yeah, and it can always move around. There isn't that that thing which you take to be you uh, is not there. That's why I said like you wake up in the morning sometimes and you kind of doesn't feel quite like you yeah well why is that well that is exactly shows you something about your attachment uh, and what you take to be yourself uh, that gives you some idea what's going on the other one is like the meditation experience yeah go down become more and more peaceful and still uh, and as you do that you are 
leaving behind your sense of self gradually, stage by stage. What does it feel like? It feels blimmin' marvelous. Yeah? Yay, no self. Whoa, so happy not having a sense of self. That is the idea behind this. Okay, anyone, everyone, so that is uh, all for tonight. It's a little bit early, but uh, I think that's okay. And um, we will see you again tomorrow morning as usual and carry on for the last day. So have a good night, rest, and we'll see you tomorrow. Let's pay respect to the Buddha Dhamma Sangha before we go.